Hey guys, welcome to episode 254 of the podcast with my boy of summer, Andy Richter. What fun, what a great time was had by me, yours truly, Janet Varney. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy the episode and uh, I am. I just got back from being out of town for a bit and uh, I'm kind of getting myself recollected uh, before I immediately turn around and head up to San Francisco for our uh, day of fun at the Castro Theater. So if you're in that area, I hope to see you. Um, I'll be around at the Doug Benson show, which still has tickets and the West Wing Weekly show, which is sold out. Um, and uh, all I want to say beyond that is that I had the singular opportunity to, I've just happened to be in a place that experienced the totality of the solar eclipse, and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life, which sounds super weird uh, and slightly like religious in a way that I don't intend it to. Um, but if you have the opportunity, and I, I you really, I, listen, I've been in um, partial eclipses. They're very cool. It's just a neat thing, but... I sounded like I was 70 years old. Uh, but if but if you get the chance to be uh, around for a total eclipse, uh, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. It was quite something. So just, you know, plant that seed in your head. I think uh, the next one, the United States will be in 2024. So go ahead and mark your calendars. And uh, I don't know why I felt I needed to tell you that, but that's what's going on. And I will uh, talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. zero intro i'm really wanting maybe this is the first time i'll do an intro why ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you've seen him you've heard him you're hearing him now please welcome and then i just don't then i never say who it is right 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 and i will never say who you are and then the it's just an podcast. hour of silence and then it's just a mystery guest nice some mystery themed podcast where the person never <laughs> ever knows they have to try to put the never pieces together themselves exactly doc never talks about themselves like if you need to or want to confess to a murder mm, this is probably as good a place the as nerve any. to murder people i, I really certainly don't, don't. Oh. now what do you now let me say is it the nerve like there's a part of you that would like to but fears the repercussions or is there a part of you like me who knows I would be haunted by it forever and would somehow turn that person into a good person in my mind just to torture myself over having murdered them? Well, uh, first of all, I think there is the basic morality question. It's not, it's frowned upon. <laughs> it's and frowned upon. generally conditioned you not to You may be snubbed by other. society yes. if you... That's the basic thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think I would... Uh, I think I would be, I think I, yeah, I think I would feel guilty. Yeah. Although I am a world-class compartmentalizer. Oh, I, I hear that. I can, and I mean, and in some ways I've even sort of like gotten to the point where I can, because it is, it, it, it certainly is a neurotic, uh, a function, it can definitely be a function of a neuroses. Right. But it can also be incredibly useful. Yeah. And, a, and an incredibly useful survival skill. And I think I've got it down pretty well where I used to compartmentalize in an unhealthy way. Right. And now I think I compartmentalize. Like in, as a tool. Yeah. And as just like a way like 
um, like, I guess I'm never going to speak to that person again. And it's okay. <laughs> right. You know, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have to feel like a bad person because I have decided like, oh, no, this is just like, this is, I will never get anything good out of this relationship. And in fact, it will probably mostly be harmful. Right. So I'm going to put that person in a drawer right. and shut the drawer and that's it. That's you know? great. Yeah. Well, what do you feel like you would have done? Do you do you feel like what is the what is the alternate of that from the alternate you know, is to continue to manage it? Yeah. And I mean, and it's very specific people. Um, <gasps> you guys just start a podcast called Angie's Dresser. And then it will just, just be like you bringing back out. people that you've right, shut right. out, just and each person in a drawer, right. and then tell them why they're in the drawer, put them back, and then put them back in the and drawer. And then every the end of every episode is you as the host, like saying goodbye over my choking sobs, <laughs> <laughs> over right. me just crying and crying right. because I pulled out a drawer that should have been kept shut. Uh, no, there, it's it. What what the alternative would be would to be continuing to try to fill up a hole that cannot be filled and just just tearing off chunks of myself and throwing it into this hole like and these are like these aren't like these aren't like uh, this is this is like you know family people in my family and, right and it's not just sort of like casual friendships or anything although there are some there's some there's some of that, but mostly it's mostly it's it's big important relationships. It's not like right. it's not like oh that asshole, you know, resents me for whatever. Right. I mean, especially because like when I you know when I I was one of the first of my peers to get on. I'm I'm adjusting on this couch. Adjust That's as much as you is. want. That's you um, lie down. I don't mind. You do whatever you <laughs> gotta be do. Too much. That'll be too much. I, I won't be able to hold in the farts well, I, <laughs> if I lie down. But what about for the hypnosis portion where I gently <laughs> hypnotize you into your Right. Into and your I past. wake up and I'm like all sticky for yeah. some reason. <laughs> That's exactly From right. From head to foot. Like, well, what happened? Head to foot. I feel like I was licked by a dog. Well. Um, no, I... Uh, uh, you were uh, one of the first, I think. Oh, I was one of the, I was one of the first of my peer group to be on television and to start making a paycheck, like a good paycheck doing yeah. this for a living. You mean you're still your peer group amongst people who also wanted yes, to exactly, do Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The out people of, that I kind of... Out of where? Out of like Chicago. Out of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Second then, City. And then even kind of like... Well, and then when I got to New York, you know, we were friends with a lot of people uh, who... Uh, actually, mo a lot of Chicago transplants, mm -hmm. namely like the UCB Theater. Yeah. And then people that were in the UCB theater uh, became sort of, a, again, our sort of social group. And there was a few years there where, like, just because I was on the Conan show where I was making a steady paycheck and a lot of people weren't. So I picked up a lot of checks and yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. uh, which is fine. And I love, I mean, I will, if I die penniless and it's because I picked up checks for drinks and dinner, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Um, but there were definitely, there definitely that kind of early success uh, exposed <laughs> exposed a dividing line in yeah. people in my life. That yeah. like there were some people who were really, um, and I believe me, I understand 
envy. I understand. Of course. Every time. I think that's the thing we figure out. It's yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. I'll never be above this. There oh, will always be something. You'll always feel it yeah. and you'll just have to put it away. And my two, I, and I think I, I might have mentioned this recently uh, elsewhere, but um, my thing is too, I will become envious of something that was never a goal of mine anyway. Yes. Like that's the weirdest. It's only yeah, the yeah, easiest yeah. to let go of the yes, most immediately. Absolutely. But when someone's like, and so-and-so got a stand-up special, I'm like, I wish I had it. Wait, I've never done stand-up. I've I literally absolutely. never stood on a stage I sit on a fucking television show yeah. that I'm on four nights a week and people will come on and say, well, I just got back from Hong Kong where I made a movie for a month and I'm like, you motherfucker, I want to go to Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it was a nice hotel too because you weren't paying for it. Like Jesus Christ! What more do you want? Take yeah, it easy. You I know? know it's very real. Yeah, and then yeah, when you have that, especially, I'm sure. I mean, that I would say that certainly was not true for me, only because like I wasn't seeking this, so I wasn't really in a world of people who were actively trying. That like I sort of came down here into a world of people who were already right. working, so they were like, "Welcome in, friend." Yeah, yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't happen all the way through. Yes, but I'm, yes. I can no, imagine at the ends. beginning of something. The envy never ends. The yeah. insecurity never ends. The uh, the 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 fear that you are, you know, that next week the work will just stop. Yeah. Like that, I mean, I heard, I remember hearing, I think it was a conversation between, it was like Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman yeah. doing an interview together and both of them saying like, yeah, I still feel like the next job is the last one and then they're going to yeah. figure out like, yeah. you know, well, why hire that guy? He's, yeah. Haven't we seen all we can see from him? And, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the... Again, just the sort of like the frustration of that, but also I do feel like as I've gotten older, the need to be special in that in that broken way where you're like, I know, but I feel worse about this. Like it's been such a relief to to know everyone feels a certain way and that like I take so much comfort from almost every hardship that comes into my life now. I can very comfortably say, I know, but so many people go through yeah, this yeah. or so many people feel yes. this way and we're all somehow still yes. functional and like, I need that. I don't yeah. need, I don't want to be the person that's like, well, I don't know. I think right. my pain might be deeper than everybody else. One of the philosophical underpinnings of my life is, is devout relativism. Yeah. You know, and it's, I find it so, I have found it so useful career wise. I mean, especially starting out, um, I have a distinct memory of when I first came to L.A. and was still sort of... I, we were doing a show that we started in Chicago called The Real Live Brady Bunch, which was just kind of a fluky lot. I mean, it, it became very popular. It was very timely. It coincided with this kind of 70s nostalgia mm -hmm. wave that happened in uh, the early 90s. And... We were doing that sh live show out here, and a bunch of us were going out to the beach, out to El Matador, mm -hmm. um, and I remember driving and looking at all the hills in Malibu and, uh, you know, in Santa Monica, and, and, and thinking, not every one of those people is a big movie star. Yeah. I mean, some of them, yeah. but, but probably a bulk of it is entertainment related, right. and it just made me really realize, like, there's lots of people that make a living doing this. Absolutely. That, you know, in whatever, whether they're in casting or whether they hang lights or, mm -hmm. you know, 
or whether they're in you know promotions or something mm -hmm. there's a, it's an industry so yeah. you can you can definitely do this and i also find it you know in terms of like am i talented enough and make it i find it very useful to look at people that i consider much less talented than me who are doing just fine and going like well shit if that asshole can yeah. can fool people into yeah. hiring and then <laughs> i mean christ i got i've got to be able to make a living and it's such a perspective thing because that exact same response could you could assign that like rage you know yes. what i mean you the, like, it's so easy to then look and go well wait a minute oh, this is the, unfair this the person slide da, da, da. bitterness is especially that's you know that's the work never ends and by work i mean the the personal work absolutely um and and in the position that i'm at which is having had a good long career and managed to you know provide a good living for a family and have options still open to me um but not but still like there being people whose whose careers that to which i aspire right. you know still there's people above me that right. i think oh man that guy is really killing it in a way that i would love to kill it as you get older, you have to beware of bitterness, yeah. Because it is—it's like a—it's uh, like a calcification that can happen so slowly yeah. that you don't realize it, mm -hmm. and you have to like break up those fibers yeah. and say, no, 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 do not, do not become bitter. Because I've seen, I, I've I've met and talked to many, many fantastically talented amazing comedic minds mm -hmm. that are end up being one could say arguably underappreciated and it gets to them yeah and they end up like you yeah. know like eh. they you know they end up mad and they mm -hmm. end up bitter and they end up frustrated and it's just it's a shitty way to live you know it's a shitty way to live and yeah. it, 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 it it's it is that sort of like because i think we're tend to be I mean at least people in that are on the performance side have that or on the writing side or what have you that have that sort of sensitivity and there's like things you know a little a little closer to the surface perhaps of our skins even if we learn how to be thick-skinned in certain ways yeah. as far as this business goes that there is that sort of like outlet that's just waiting for a plug to continue to generate whatever pain you know what I mean yeah. so, oh, yeah, yeah. so if you can if there's a way for that to find a source yes. which there are ample like there's Absolutely. ample sources for gratitude in this ridiculous yeah, yeah. business and there's ample sources for bitterness yes. and I completely agree the calcification image is so uh, that's so right it's so apt because yeah. it really is this sort of creeping and then you're like well wait a minute now now are you fulfilling that like every time you yes. go into a room are you projecting this like well i know this is going nowhere even yeah. though i'm probably a genius <laughs> and i and i i mean that scenario happens i hear about people that i know from other people in meetings saying this person came into that meeting and came into a meeting and did that exact thing. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, who? Uh, nobody wants to work with an asshole. Yeah. That's the, I mean, you know, next to like horrible addiction issues, 
just being an unpleasant prick yeah. is a sure way to not right. work much. <laughs> That's right. Because there's a long days. Yeah. It's a, it's a real simple, like, Occam's razor almost. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't I get jobs? Because you're unbearable. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're long days and you are unbearable. Yeah. So maybe if you shut up a little yeah. and, you know, just faked it. Yeah. You might make it, yeah. you know? I don't know. Do you, were you, uh, like, what kind of um, attitude did you project, like, as a, as a teenager? Were you in a classroom sort of being affable and funny? Were you quiet? Or you- no, I was, I was funny to, like, funny and bored. Uh, you know, I grew up in a small town, and I was like... Where, where was that? Uh, Yorkville, Illinois, mm-hmm. which is about 60, 70 miles west of Chicago. But it's like... It's not like we were running into the city on weekends. It's not like Jersey where yeah, you could no, hop on the train. It, was, and, it might yeah. as well have been. It Like I say, it was a little over an hour outside the city, but um, as scared and white as we were, <laughs> nobody was going into the city to hang out. Until, I mean, yeah. until I got to college, until I got older. And, yeah. um, and I don't know. I mean, kids might be braver now. And I yeah. mean, I don't, but to us, it was just, you know, it was... Cubs games, Bears games, White Sox games, and occasional museum trips mm-hmm. with school. But we never, and you know, and like Christmas time, Marshall Fields to look at the big tree. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, we did not avail ourselves of this. I didn't avail myself of the city until I was probably 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Do you have a big um, family? Um, I have an older brother uh, who's three years older than me. And then for my mom's second marriage, I have a younger half brother and sister who are twins who are nine years younger than me. Okay. Did you grow up with the twins? Yes. Like in the, yeah. Yes. They were, yeah. My mom and dad divorced when I was four, and then my mom remarried when I was eight, and then she had my brother and sister, gotcha. and and so we all, I mean, it's to call them half-brother they're and sister. They're your brother and sister. Yeah, they're my brother yeah. and sister. Yeah. Um, although my my brother, my brother's name is Victor Swanson, because the, the, their father's name is, my stepdad's name is Swanson, and every time I would... I, I took me, it was a while I introduced my brother Victor and people silently would think, Victor Richter? <laughs> uh, and he's actually, he's now, he's he's a school teacher and he's running for Congress back oh, in Illinois. So. I know. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I think that's so cool. Yeah, it is really for cool. for him, is he, what prompted that? Because that feels like such a commitment in he, a way that I have absolute admiration for and a little fear. Yeah, um, I just kind of civic duty he teaches civics he teaches kind of social studies and yeah and government and he's a a coach um he coaches a lot of girl sports and uh he just he's frustrated he's just frustrated he's frustrated especially from from uh the perspective as an educator yeah. and just the drubbing that public education has taken in this country over the last 50 years absolutely talk so, about my parents are were high school teachers yeah. and just by talk about being on the front line and i don't mean that in any disrespect yeah, to yeah. actually being in a service but like right. the one-to-one ratio of like oh i can see the incredible positive impact one person can yes. have on 30 kids yes i can see everything that's going wrong yes. right in front of me like yes. you're just feeling all of that all the it's, time it's just it's it's a crazy short-sightedness um and it's kind of like the public schools are one of the biggest casualties of just capitalism run amok 
And yeah, you this know, idea that like education will figure itself out yeah. via capitalism. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I'll, we'll just have a bunch of boarding schools and then we'll do some fun scholarships. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and like, or oh, and then to, you know, to inject sort of profit motive in education yeah. is bananas. And what made the country so strong to begin with and a world power to begin with was that access to free education. And then the, you know, the benefits of the GI Bill of people coming back from the war and being able to go to college, to not think that that didn't have something yeah. to do with the productivity boom of this country. And, yeah. the, and the world ascension of this country is just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, when you hear stories about teachers, and, and I mean, it's a regular story, teachers going and spending uh Spending hundreds of dollars yeah. for for equipment for their classrooms and making they, yeah. so precious and making little. nothing, yeah. making nothing. It's just and and in this state, I mean, people were and there there's a balance. I'm not. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not a Marxist, but people complained about the high property taxes in this state. It was always like you know that the property taxes are too high, and and they could well have been too yeah. high. Yeah. So they slash some republic. I don't even remember. I mean, I, I read an article. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't remember the details. They, which, which governor it was. But they yeah. slash property taxes. And California went from having number one schools in the country to uh, a few years later to being like 48th. Right. Just because they just because people were like, I'm tired of spending money on some kind of uh future that i feel is intangible Ugh. you know and it just uh, i yeah. don't know it's I, just i think well that's the whole kind of issue with i mean this is i'm sure you but you and i both have pretty passionate feelings about this stuff and and, yeah, and yeah. i won't i won't get it's us all riled podcast. up but it's a different podcast but i will say that i think that's that that sort of what i felt the last series of kind of municipal uh elections and stuff which i think was last year some at some point um a bunch of friends and I got together to just read through all the propositions. And again, there's just, it feels like you have zero idea whether this is real transparency. You have zero idea what it means. Oh, it, it starts to feel like, it all sounds kind oh, of I good. Guess, yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. guess everyone's like, Oh, I you know, it okay. takes, it's like one word where you're like, oh, yeah. I guess I'm going to vote. Yes. And then yeah. one person is like, wait, I know. Before you, you know, before you That's hit, yes, always, wait a minute, doesn't this say Nazi? Yeah, wait, yeah. oh God, how did I miss I know. that? How did I, I miss always that? have to, you always have to kind of, you know, you have to trust in some kind of institutions. Yeah, who in, like, yeah, someone you know, say. Like a newspaper or, yeah. you know, your political party to yeah. sort of, and then still do some filtration, but you yeah. have to, you know, you. it's like the, this will provide, uh, this will provide, housing but then it turns out it's like yeah but it'll provide housing that will enrich yeah exactly. you know like oil interests exactly. or something like that and you're like oh okay yeah well, that, that's sort of that's okay that's complicated i need exactly. to get all the facts that are god i'm almost starting to regret voting for trump um <laughs> but almost i want to, I went to give to him a few Dod- more chances i went to a dodgers game with jimmy pardo and he was killing me because he just kept he just out of the blue he kept going like he just kept saying things, you know, we'd be watching the game and talking about the game and then you just go like, why won't people give him a chance? I mean, just give him a 
chance. Just out of the blue. I was texting with him about something and and I made some joke like this is probably all Trump's fault and uh or or maybe I said I'm starting maybe I made that joke and yeah. he just immediately fired back like I think I had just finished pressing send and he just wrote back not me happy with my vote period <laughs> you just hear his voice in your head he probably has that like you know pa- ready to paste that's right that answer, <laughs> that's, you know? right. that's right he's got it ready to go yeah yeah um did you have in describing kind of the community that you grew up in did you have a sense of being isolated in that way? Like, did you have a sense of like, well, I guess there's probably a lot going on that we don't really talk about or, or, or expose ourselves to and kind of the big city urban culture. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because I, and I, especially into my teen years, um, I started to really, well, it, I mean, ours was not like, it, it, there was when my my mother's and stepfather's relationship sort of fell apart while I was in while I was in high school. So that and it was very it was bad. It was you know I mean, but as as the dissolution of a marriage is never fucking pleasant. But yeah. you know it was it was pretty bad. So there was a lot of stress around that. Um. But I and 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 I and I have definitely have like depressive tendencies. Depression is something that I've dealt with. I mean, from from a really early age, and I've been in therapy for a zillion years. And, and is it kind of medicated. straight depression for you? Like, for example, mine comes out as anxiety, and so it, like it blew my mind when yeah. I was eighteen to have a therapist kind of get in there just enough to go like. Think you're depressed. Like I think if we yeah. treat this like depression rather than like giving you calmer downers, right, 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 you might feel better. And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I can't sleep. Like I, you know what I mean. I'm having these like, yeah. I my my heart's palpitating. What do you mean I'm depressed? And that's so it turned out for me like, oh, those things can be connected. Yeah, yeah. No, for me, it's just it's just straight up inertia, straight up yeah. you know immobility. And I really started to. The, the medication, I started taking medication. I, uh, well, when I, was, when I was in college and I didn't have any money and I was a, just, uh, you know, just a, really a, a wreck. And I mean, I, I, was, I was working in film. I went to film school and I was working in film was it, production. Was it still in Chicago? Or? Yeah, this is yeah. still in Chicago. And I read in the paper for UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago, had a study for people who might have depression and, uh, you know, that they were trying, what it basically was, was elevated, elevated doses of an anxiety drug. I think it was called Buspar. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I've heard um, that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and trying to see if that would help with depression. Isn't that funny after I just said yeah, it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really funny. Um, and I, and it really did, like, I when I started, so I got in the, I was accepted in the program, you have to fill out all this paperwork, and I, you know, and you just, you took the medication and you go and get interviews, but it was all free, which is what I needed. God, this is, the, you're the guy who yeah. did the pro, like I, that's yeah, yeah, a yeah. thing you hear about where and, it goes, well, the college was doing a study. Yeah. And I, and I can't remember, I think it ended, I think it ended and they were like, you can't, we're not going to give you any more free medication. <laughs> no, and it's Speaking and it, of lack of foresight. And it also, it worked at first, like it right. almost, it, the, and it wasn't like it was a like a like a feeling of elation, right. but the just it was like 
somebody turned off a fire alarm that only I could hear. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a relief, like, oh, shit. Which the absence of that dread and that immobility just felt like lightness. Even though it wasn't probably lightness, it was just the absence of something awful. Absolutely. Um, That's a huge distinction. Yeah. And then I, and then I, so that, that program ended and I started to just feel miserable again. And I found a clinic with a sliding scale so I could, you know, pay what I could afford. Nice. And uh, the doctor or the, the doctor that talked to me said, you know, I actually, he said that you being admitted into that program was like probably some kind of malpractice, he said, because there's no reason, because he goes, you shouldn't have been on, like you're depressed. Uh-huh. Like you shouldn't, it, it's not like, let's see if this this thing that's meant for some other disorder helps. You're depressed. Right. They should have They should have said, no, you need to go get real Interesting. help. So I started on a, like a, a Prozac back then, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, into that, I've pretty much been medicated to this day. And there have been some times when, and even when I, well, no, that's not true. Because when I started, I, I stopped then for a while. Because even as much as I, I was raised with without a, like my mother had us go to family counseling. Like she had the whole family going to counseling because there was a lot of issues with after the, the after you know, uh, my, my parents divorce and then there was tension, there was problems between me and my brother. And then when she got remarried between my stepfather, so she always, and I really give her credit for this. She was always open to just the talking cure and to going and and seeking that. So I never really had a bias against that. Mm -hmm. And it very quickly became, uh, like an, an amazement at anyone who would have a bias against that. Yeah. Um, but I still think I had, and I encountered with friends of mine in Chicago when they found out that I was taking antidepressants, a kind of like Midwestern stoicism about like, what you're taking a pill? Like, uh, like it somehow makes you, you, you know what? Like it, it, it's a, it's, it's, it's an inauthenticity, like that you're somehow not you're being real. To down yeah, or like, like yeah. or who knows what it's doing to you. Right. Like, oh, making me not want to fucking kill myself? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a real, yeah, boy, what a bummer. Um, but when I started, when I, I started, it was when I got the Conan show and I moved to New York and um, I had, I was already engaged. My wife and I, uh, were engaged before I short like a matter of a few months before I got the Conan show. So I got to New York. I loved living in New York. I had lived in New York before. I had a job on television. I was making money. I was in love. I was getting married. I mean, all the big, the big columns sure. that were a problem in my life. Sure. Like, creative satisfaction i was making television every night i'd have ideas in the morning and put them on tv that night i would uh, you know job prospects i was on television you know i uh, we'd replace david letterman and 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 in love life i was in love i you know and i still felt like shit yeah i still felt like uh at, at you know like the the level that my water sought was 
well, what's the fucking point of it all? What is it? What does it all matter? Absolutely. You know, and I found myself having. And then it's worse because then you can you can tap into self-loathing so quickly. Because it's like, if I can't appreciate this, I'm a piece of shit. I had that. Well, uh, for me, it was more. It was like really kind of bleak mortality stuff. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of like, not like I'm going to kill myself, but just like mortality. Like, well, I'm going to be dead. You know, like all of this, uh, I'll be I'll be laying in a nursing home bed in 70 years or 60 years or whatever it'll be. And Mm -hmm. and it'll seem like five minutes. So what? So go ahead. Rah, rah, hooray for you and your fantastic life. What's the fucking point when you'll be in the ground soon enough? Just shit like that. Like, just like I say, immobilizing stuff. Yeah. Uh, And then you take a pill, you continue talking because there's still still work. Right. Like I said, there's still work. Uh, But you take a pill and it's like, oh, no, no. Now I can appreciate my job. Now I can appreciate my creative satisfaction now and fulfillment. And now I can appreciate being in love, you know? Uh, so it, you know, and I've been on medication ever since. I mean, you know, with, with it, it does, it does have effects, you know, like, and there have been sort of like different side effects that have made me change, alter the medication. Yeah. But every time I've like switched from one to the other and had like kind of a ramping down and ramping up period, it's like, You've never oh, yeah, very oh, sure. right, right, yeah, yeah, no, this yeah, is, because yeah. you do, after you, you know, you take the same medication for years, yeah. and you start to wonder, like, ah, is it really doing anything, yeah. and maybe I'd be better off, maybe I would write that fucking book if I wasn't on these pills, Right. And then you go off the pills, and you're like, oh, no, no, I wouldn't, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a manic yeah. depressive, where oh, I'm going to no. fall into yeah, a wonderful yeah. manic, like, yeah, creative yeah. surge, no, I just will be, I'll just be a mess, yeah, you know? and when you have, that's the other thing too, is that when, when you are in love or when you, uh, you know, Paul F was talking about this recently, um, with me and a, and a couple of people that, that, that idea that you've made the commitment to have someone in your life permanently. And if you have kids, like anything, anybody or your work relationships, yeah. you're not, I mean, of course you're taking it for you, but at a certain point there's also like, I guess I, like I've made a commitment to be a, a kind of person to you that I want to be able to be and, yeah, and yeah. live up to. And and it's yeah, not yeah. just me in a room by myself right. feeling my feelings and just like coping with it and, you know, gritting my teeth. And, yeah. you know, it's like, wait a minute, this is, this has a tremendous impact on it's the a, person that I love. It's and, a useful codependence. It's a, yeah. it's a useful codependence. That responsibility. That like, yeah. And I mean, because it is, I mean, ideally, every person should be their own island of self-sufficiency and and self-motivation but it doesn't work that's not the kind of monkey we are you know they we need each other yeah i mean unless you know unless you're ted kaczynski but then, then you're, you're mail, Ted then you're mailing bombs and shit <laughs> you know did you have do you have that same uh speaking of envy that like mild fascination i mean i think so many people do it's not like i'm saying anything new but where you sort of hear about a psychopath who was like and i don't know and then they just like continued lying about such and such because they couldn't feel bad yeah You're like, yeah yeah oh oh my, oh, whoa, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, wow absolutely I, I was listening i listened to this book um i listened to this audio book uh, that I sort of like I was kind of interested in and in researching something else and it led me down this road of like the sort of like what psychopaths can teach normal people about success. I was like, mm-hmm. I gotta find out what this is gonna be. 
I've seen articles yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And there was, and there is. I will say, and I think maybe it, because I, I was going to suggest earlier that even just as a college kid, I wonder if some of that was psychosomatic because you were giving yourself a chance to do something when you were on that anti anti anxiety. Like even just the feeling of like. I'm taking steps. Maybe this will help. Like yeah. if there was this, uh, that initial and then it didn't really work. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't going to last, but because it is chemical, yeah. but just that moment of like, maybe, um, but I have had a couple, it's so, it's a ti- the tiniest twist of the dial that almost has helped a little bit when something happens and I'm agonizing over it. And it's, not going to matter two days from now when it's like, what if for me, it's always sketch fest. Like what if Andy's plane, what if his plane doesn't land in time? Wait a minute. What if he misses a show? We're going to have to refund everyone's money. And, and to just like, there is this tiny amount from the couple of chapters I listened to before I was like, yeah, I get it. This is not a whole book. Um, there is this part of me. It's like, what if I just didn't give a shit? Yeah. And if I, and it, and I still give a shit, but it just takes it down one notch. Yep. And it really has helped. And it's like, what if I was a person who didn't give a shit about this? Yeah. And even just living in that for a second kind of takes the, like, takes the, you know, lowers my blood pressure a little bit. My wife and I have talked lately about there's research that your thought patterns. Uh, well, they, you, you know, your thoughts are this kind of ephemeral thing that it, it doesn't exist in like sort of physical space. Yeah. However, your brain is a mechan is a mechanical object. Yeah. You know, it's a and 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 it's an organ that has chemical and electrical functions, and those thoughts do form physical architectural pathways in your brain. So like I said before, water seeking a level. Yeah. A thought that you have is going to follow a well-worn path. Right. Because there's, there's no resistance to it. Yeah. So for, to think differently is really fomenting physical change in your brain. Yeah. And if, the, it, and if you, it's, you know, the, the phrase... Fake it till you make it. I've referenced it earlier. It's been like it's been, in my life recently. It's like floated through the transom about four different times, including mm-hmm. one like watching Degrassi with my daughter. You know, mm-hmm. I just and it's like you know I do feel like sometimes you hear things, and whether you hear them a hundred times and and they go in one ear and out the other, or whether you hear them and they land because you need them to land. Mm-hmm. But that that fake it till you make it just lately has had a resonance to me and it's and it it relates to that kind of change those thought patterns mm-hmm. change those and forge new pathways mm-hmm. whether they're physical or whether they are whether they're symbolic yeah but you know just to make that change in your own thinking uh is is can be the beginning of real change yeah and even if it isn't Jesus Christ it's better than just doing the same old shit over sure. and over you know because that's what because because that's the whole sort of like that's the struggle and as you're saying this i'm like maybe i should like i love my therapist but i wonder if it would be good for me to just actually try cognitive behavioral therapy about Mm -hmm. certain things that you know because i am sort of there's like my one of my parents is having health issues and that has sort of lowered the water level of mortality for me right now where i where i do sort of 
tap in quickly to like, yeah, terrible things happen to great people. Might as well happen to me. Might as well happen to me today. Anybody? Yeah, Anybody? Yeah, yeah. And so I think like just and and then that's what feels true because yeah. it because it happens quickly and your brain is like, here, let me be a helpful organ. So I'm in charge. Everything I say is real. Um, yeah. you just have to deal with it and yeah. that this is reality. This right, is reality. Right, right. Instead of, you know, kind of speaking back to your brain and going, I understand that you think you're helping me. I understand that you think this is real, but I'm in charge and I have to separate myself from you long yeah. enough to go, you're not helping. Right, right. I need to figure out a different, like I need to direct you to do something yes. different because yes. you shouldn't be in charge right, right now. Right, right, you know? right. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. No, People it's... do love CBT. I had to think about cognitive behavioral therapy, oh, yeah, the letters yeah. that they started with. No, it's, I, I've never, I don't have, I've never, I mean, my therapist is kind of more, well, I guess it's sort of like Freudian light, you know, mm -hmm. it's like sort of, it is a bit, he does kind of, it's pretty classic kind of Freudian stuff, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, analysis, but it's kind of, it's not, it's not like really structured analysis, but he definitely, I mean, cause I've been, I, I, it's the same, I've been talking to the same guy for Jesus over 20 years. Oh God, now. it's so helpful yeah. if you find a good one. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to start over with your life history. You don't history. have to start over. And even, and even like it, you know, there are, there's a lot of issues that are just like, yeah, I know it's this old shit. Uh -huh. It's this thing you've heard a million times. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like, you know, you know, Bon Jovi playing Wanted Dead or Alive. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I gotta, gotta I gotta play the out. hits. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but he definitely does step in at times and say, um, well, sometimes he steps in and says, you're wrong. Yeah. Says, you know, I don't think, I don't think what you're, I don't think what you're saying here or the, or the tact that you're taking or mm. the tack that you're taking mm -hmm. I should, it, it is useful. Yeah. You should maybe rethink that. God, that's so great. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. So it's nice good. To have that. And you got to trust somebody to do that yeah. sort of, you know? And there's something really nice about that kind of relationship where you don't, you know, that it's just not the same as somebody that you are married to or somebody that's your parent or it's there just not, is that, cannot, that the you, exchange yeah. of information and responsibility yeah. no, is just, it's, un, it's just not comparable. You can't, you can't. Yeah. You, you need someone, you need to, you need to, it's a, it's a very strange relationship. You need to find someone and you need to not care what they think. Mm -hmm. And you need to not care about them at all. Like, I don't care about my therapist right. and how he... I mean, that's not entirely true because I will, and it's taken years and years, there are things that even up until recently... I would omit mm -hmm. like things that I would, cause I was embarrassed that I was doing the same old shit mm -hmm. and they were thing, you know, and, and I wouldn't tell them shit. And then, and, that, and, yeah, it's so it's normal. Like, like I know, editing I know. your therapy, editing know, your therapy. It's so, it's so normal. We all, just, you know, uh, but then I get around to like, like, no, I, what the fuck? I'm going to tell him, you yeah. know, I mean, who am I kidding? Yeah. It's like, I know. And I, and, and there again, you have to not, like I don't care what he thinks of me I don't care like 
about his feelings. Yeah. You know, this and also is I like, love that you walk away yeah. and they put you out of their mind yeah, too yeah. and go on to the next person. Right. Like, I'm not, she's not going to be haunted yes. by my stupid yes. dream about my mom uh-huh. or whatever. Like she's fine. Yeah. Well, my guy's from New York and I do find generally speaking, having had therapists in both New York and in LA, there's a more sort of formal structured relationship in my new york e- definitely east yeah, coast yeah. my because california i've had i when i years i mean i haven't like i say it's been i've been 20 years of the same person but i had therapists out here and it was like like you know like groovy old ladies that want to tell you about you know yeah. when my daughter was going through an issue and it's like oh my god I'm yeah and, so and it's sort of that. at first you think like wow i like the casualness of this and the conversationalness of this and then after a while it's like I don't give a fuck about your daughter. Well, like, and, you know, like, well, I will say I had one where I did give a fuck about her daughter. And I was like, it was the same relationship I'd had with a manager where I was like, oh, wait a minute. I just want to hang out with you. This is very bad. Yeah, this is like, not. This yeah, is absolutely this is, yeah, yeah. counterproductive to what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's a very, it's a very specific. Do you feel like the person that your mom, like, was there, do you feel like you're speaking of, Freudian, do you feel like you're called to the kind of person that your mom introduced you to as a therapist? Like, this is what therapy is. Or do you feel like you found your own kind of, like, was that was that world sort of the, like, listen, we are in a professional environment. Yeah. Um... And also, do did your friends know that you were in therapy? Was that something you would talk about with your high school friends? Uh, no, not so much with my, no, I don't think I did. Well, maybe I did. I, you know, that I don't remember that. I don't remember. I don't, I think I did because I think like, like I said, it always occurred to me, like what's, what could be wrong with this? And I was raised in a household where there was no taboo, uh, attached to it. And also at school, you know, like there was a guidance counselor there and who is, that was part of their job. Mm. And I never had qualms about that. So I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I was pretty, I think I was pretty upfront about it. Um, but uh, uh, what was the first part of the question? Uh, I, I I got so excited about it. Oh, the relationship. Oh, did oh my yeah, mother, just if no, it was more kind the one, of that, the early, that sort of. No, I think versus that like this a touchy guy, feely. Yeah, this guy. No, this guy was like. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think I just like. I think I you found just what worked. found what worked, and I found somebody that somebody that uh, gave gave good advice and helped me because you know. If you're doing therapy right, the person just kind of, you know, you're it. You you have your hand on the wheel of the boat, and this the 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 therapist more is just the guy with the pole that keeps you, you know, agreed pointing in the right direction and not bumping into things and yeah. not getting stuck. Um, but you are the one that you're the one that that says stuff that you have thought a thousand times that you have gone over and over in your mind like somebody you know fingering their rosary beads Mm -hmm. over and over and over and like an obsessive kind of way then you sit in front of a neutral as neutral as a person can be and say it out loud and you go holy shit 
There's the answer. What the fuck? I should have been doing this. Or, oh my God, how could I have never seen the connection between that and that? Absolutely. When you say it out loud. I agree. And when you, you know, and and you might have to say it out loud 20 times before it, before you, before the, you know, the shaft of light comes down from heaven. Right. And says, you know, when the angels sing and you go, oh shit, you know, that's why I do that. And or, then you become a devout, oh, yeah. born again Christian. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> a devout, you know, but only, you know, but only like in, in a cartoon way. That's right. You know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> only when cartoon what cliches happen. What a beautiful happen. beard you yes. have, Jesus. Um, what were, what were your friends like? Like what were, what were your sort of creative hobbies and, and did you share those with people? Were you out? There, were you like, no, I was, uh, I was a small town and I had not, I, my friends were great. I mean, and I had great, great, kind, sensitive, fun friends, you know, um, and, and it was, and it was, you know, and I, and it was a, and it was a group that was like, not afraid to be nice to each other. You know, that was, I think the main thing, um, there, it, it wasn't like as my closest friends. I mean, it was sort of, but also too, my town was so, was so little that there was, there wasn't a lot of nuance in terms of the groups. There was like jocks and stoners or Uh jocks and it was, it was jocks and burnouts. And I was, I was definitely with the jocks. Um, but that was, but I I mean, but I was friends with everybody. I was, I was not, I, there were definitely, there were clashes among them, but I every I got along with everybody because um, I wanted to get along with everybody, and I did like everybody, and I'm a nice person, and uh, but I uh, I wasn't you know there there and there was you know like I say there was a big division, but uh, I wasn't you know I, I would have been. You know, I would have been with the artsy kids mm-hmm. if there had been artsy kids, right. but there weren't artsy kids. Yeah. And when I got to college, I went. To, I first went to University of Illinois, and I even like I and University of Illinois. I don't know if it still does, but at the time, it had the largest Greek system in the world. Mm. And I went to the dorms, and and I was like, I was I I didn't even you know I was raised very much in a matriarchal home with my mother and my grandmother really kind of and I still and I'm very glad I I I really do feel like I relate to women better than I relate to men and I'm more like if there's if there's a party and there's a group of women sitting and there's a group of men like there's men around the couch Mm -hmm. sitting around the couch watching a football game and there's women in the kitchen I'm going to the fucking kitchen because that's where the talk is good that's right that's right and 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 that's where like the stuff I want to hear is and 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 I just you know I just always have been I mean I've had friends of both stripes but as especially as I've gotten older I definitely like I it's not an unusual thing for men of my age with children to like not have friends anymore mm-hmm. like I talk about it to men in their late 40s early 50s I'm yeah. I'm 50 years old who have kids and it's we say like to each other like do you ever go out with friends and they're like no no never I just yeah. sort of like on like you're just kind of 
when left to your own devices so often, it's like, well, I'm just going to fucking sit here and sure. burn off some of these, this list of DVRs sure. shows, you know? And well, you also have a job that satisfies you. And for that me, that's, that's, I mean, I, that's what I have to explain to, to people. It's like, you have to understand, like, my job is so social and yes. it's full of wonderful people. Yes. I don't want to go out after I've shot something because I, I feel like I just hung out with people all day. Yes. I want to be by myself. I had, and I mean, and as time has gone on, we are more adjusted to it, but it definitely earlier on in my marriage, um, I would go to work with people who like, what's, what's the best kind of person to hang out with? Funny people. I hang out with literal World class right. funny people, yeah, like people that they're like that have been culled from the general population <laughs> by an exacting process yeah. based on the like potency of their sense of humor. <laughs> yep, and I hang out with them every day to the point that I get bored with them, <laughs> <laughs> and then I go home and my wife's like. Hey, can we go out and maybe hang out with some funny people? I'm like, why the fuck would we do that? Oh, Jesus Christ. And like I say, as yeah. time has gone on, it's we're more adjusted to it. But she's still definitely, you know, she has, I'm going to a lady dinner. That's the, you know, I have a lady dinner on Wednesday yeah. just to let me know. like. And you don't have and, the like male equivalent of like, I'll go to a no, poker no. game. I mean, well like, well, like here's a good example. Like uh, a while ago I went to, uh, you know, like I went to uh, a Dodger game and it was, you know, I, they were just like, nobody could go, you know? <laughs> I mean, thank God for Jimmy Pardo. Yeah. Jimmy was available and wanted to go, but it was just like, you know, it was just like, there was just, no, can't work in, no, can't work in, work in, work in. And no. it's the same thing. I mean, forget about like a group activity, a, a friend where you go like, Hey, I should have dinner with that guy or Good lunch luck. with that guy. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not here for the next two weeks. Oh, right. And then I'm gone. You know, that's so it's just the story of yeah. life also. And yeah. I, but I think that that's like men just, it, it's more of a male thing for some reason. Cause like Sarah's got, she goes out all the time with great, and, 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 or like, and my favorite is like when she has ladies' parties at home. And yeah. then I'm just like, and it's not, it, it is not at all like a creepy grooving on no, him kind of no, thing. No. It's just like, <laughs> oh man, funny girls, yeah. you know, like, cause, cause I, I, you know, funny women are like the best of women and the best of funny. They just are like the best of both mm -hmm. for what I want mm -hmm. out of funny and what I want to, and there's like, it's just there, you know, there's no competition. There's no, I don't know, just, they don't give a shit about sports. So <laughs> most of them, you know, I mean, so there's like not, I don't have to sit through that. There's not a lot of like, you know, uh, it's not like, you know, like a lot of like comedy. Like I have so many comedy friends. I just want to sit around and talk about comedy. Yeah. I just, oh, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I like to walk away from that. Talking about time. like, oh, remember that bit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm <laughs> No, I don't. But okay, yeah, yeah. That, all right, I remember that was funny. Yeah, uh, you know? yeah. Same. So, um, but any hoots, I can't remember where we started on this. I got, I got sidetracked. I think we were just talking about like the people that we would hang around and the stuff that. You oh, were my doing friends. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, were you? Did you? Were you like a? Because you started pretty early-ish. And yes. when did you go? When? How young were you when you went into Second City and stuff? Um, it was. It was. Uh, it was probably it was a couple years 
uh, maybe a year out of college. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I went, I started at University of Illinois uh, in Champaign Urbana, and, and I was saying like it was a Greek system. Oh, that's what I where I got sidetracked because I didn't. Yeah, I as much as I was raised with women, I didn't know how to turn that into uh, sex or a relationship. No girlfriends in high school? Yeah, no, no, not really. I mean, dating and sort of like just, you know, awkward pining and, and, you know, and, uh, and always, always for some reason, and I'm not even, it's so boring, I don't even care about the mechanism involved, (laughs) but always being interested in people that had boyfriends already Mm -hmm. and girls that had boyfriends already Mm. uh, and like some, you know, almost kind of halfway affairs, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, but I just did not, I was never comfortable. And, and I think, well, I mean, I do, I know the, I know one of the mechanisms involved was because of having been through two divorces mm-hmm. and, uh, seeing the, the sort of havoc that that wreaks on and the havoc that it wreaked on me emotionally, uh, dating seemed deadly fucking serious. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like. Like, uh, hey, I I like her. She's great. Let's go out on a date. And, uh, you know, and then if she says yes, and then, you know, 10 minutes in, it's like, this is not going to (laughs) work. I can't see us getting married. You know, you're like, you're dumb. (laughs) And, you know, and then I just. And you, but, and then you're, but you're going to have those desires and those feelings. So it's what a, what a nice way to still have them, but not have to make the commitment to like the messiness of it. Yeah. At a certain point, like, well, at a certain point, this becomes an impossibility. Or at a certain point, this will just, like, maybe she'll go, like, I can't do this anymore. Right, or I, right, you know, right. I'm, I'm, I, w- I do have those feelings, but we'll never know what it would have been like because I'm over here with this yes, other person, all yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I and, but I, def- and I definitely, at some point in college, was like, I am never going to get laid if I don't. And I mean, it really did come <laughs> yeah, down to, like, sure. I got to fucking lighten up. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of getting laid, but it was also just like, Holy shit, you're not having any fun. Yeah. This is supposed to be the fun part. Yeah. And you're not having any fun. <laughs> so at a certain point, I was kind of like, okay, lighten up. Just go with it. Just see what happens. You know, just say yes more. Yeah. You know, like improv training. Just yeah. say yes to things. Um, how did you find out about improv? Like, how did you, I mean, when did you realize that was something that you were like, I was, well, you know what? I had actually, I, I went to, I went from U of I to, uh, to Columbia college in Chicago because I wanted to go. I decided halfway through U of I, I should go to film school. Um, because I just realized uh, I wanted to work in film or television in some way. I wanted to work, and not in. I was at U of I. I was in the. I was on the track to go to the College of Communications, but they just kind of taught you to be a reporter. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be a reporter. I wanted to work in fictional television. And I was, you know, and I talked to the. I had an interview with the dean of College of Communications, and she was sort of like, "That's that's not what we do." And so yeah. I, I mean, I could have cobbled together. <laughs> like a fake degree at U of I in the, in the art department, like in some, like cobbled my own mm-hmm. independent study cinematography. Uh-huh. And I was just like, no, I'd rather go to a structure. Where that's people really built. know about yeah. this and what they are. So, um, I couldn't afford to go to New York or LA. 
and I went to so I went to Columbia College and went and it was really tough. I moved back home, mm. like after two years away, I moved back oh, home. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and was waiting tables in a Mexican restaurant in Naperville, Illinois, on the weekends, commuting into the city. But there, I did start to hang out with artsy people i got a job at the film cage which was the equipment center in the film department and became a part of that community and was like oh artsy people artsy weirdos that's what i should have been yeah because back in my hometown i definitely i got to my teenage years and this misery set in that was a that was different than the misery the the garden variety misery i had experienced my entire life (laughs) and and it and I didn't know what it was, and I just was like, and it was just like a, a like a just a virulent uh, a, a dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to U of I, and it, it was tamed a little bit because it was such a big place and a new place, and I really wanted to get out of small. Mm-hmm. I just wanted something big, and mm-hmm. U of I was big, but it still wasn't a good fit. I did take some art classes and started to kind of get a hint. Although the visual arts people are different than performing arts people. Yeah. They are weirdos, so we're sort of related. But, you know, uh, and it, when I got to Chicago, I was like, oh, what Columbia College. I was like, I'm a fucking city person. Uh-huh. That's what it is. And then and and when I got to the when I got to film school, I was like, Look, you know, like I'm I was I had never seen kids whose appearance was so heavily affected by the cure. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, the, you know, like when I was when, yeah. when I was in high school, nobody even listened to the cure. Yeah. Like I kind of knew of the cure, but like I did not understand the effect that the cure had. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I think I was like two years too old for the cure to hit me like the way the cure hit yeah. so many other kids. Yeah. Um, and cause that it's like a vital two years, especially oh, yeah. when they, I hit it. When I they was broke. in the, I was in a sweet spot when I was 13 yeah, where yeah. it was like, hello. And that, and also too, there was no internet. You, you had the radio, you yeah. had the radio and you had Rolling Stone and other music magazines to read about records. And then you had to go buy the record oh, yeah. to hear it, you yeah. know? So I, like all of a sudden I'm, I'm surrounded by a dozen male and female Robert Smiths. Uh-huh. And like, and at first I was there like, there might've been a Susie was, Sue in there somewhere. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's essentially. Uh, yes, a female exactly. The one or two. Yeah. yeah. But I just was like, what the, what is this look? And then I, you know, started to figure it, you know, like figure it out. And then, uh, in film school, uh, one of my friends in film school was, uh, Beth Cahill, Betty Cahill, mm-hmm. who, who's, who lives here in LA now. And she was, and film school is where I started acting uh, in a real serious way. I had taken acting classes. I took acting classes at U of I, like basic ones, because I did have a desire to perform, but not one that I thought about in any kind of real way. And I'd been in plays in high school, but the plays that we did in high school were so fucking stupid that I just, I just kind of like, that was put on hold, right. that that wanting to perform. Um so, and I had this hunch that, like, acting acting was satisfactory to me, and I, but I also, like, I had a writer's mind, and I was good at coming up with stuff to say, but I wasn't good at sitting down and confronting a blank page. Mm. 
And I had this hunch, like this improv sounds like it might be right up my alley because I don't have time to think about the words and I don't have time to think about the performing. Like I just had this hunch like this will mm-hmm. work for me. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, when you're in film school, you end up acting whether you want to or not. That's because a, That's the great you, part about it. Yeah, you, you all like all one, in one student film, you're going to work the camera. And the next one, you're going to be an actor. Yeah. And you don't have any choice. And then if you're decent, kids will see you in class and immediately when the lights come on, they'll come to you and say, I'm shooting a movie. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> I'm shooting a two-minute suicide uh-huh. film. Would you be in my two-minute suicide film? So they come to you, and then that's and that's on-camera, valuable, yeah. really valuable film experience. Absolutely. So I, I acted in film school. At film school was as much about acting school for me, and I still... And primarily a film actor, and that's and that's a, the, really the only kind of actor that I'm that interested in being. Mm-hmm. Um, but my friend Beth Cahill, uh, who I knew through in the film program, started taking classes at Improv Olympic, and uh, she told me about it. And I, and I, and I had actually before she did that, I remember at one point looking. I looked up in the phone book, Second City. Mm-hmm. And called and talked to somebody about like how much does it cost and how does it work and you know having no idea but just like from the white pages Mm -hmm. looking up Second City. That's amazing. So she went to Improv Olympic and it was cheaper. Mm -hmm. It was easier. It was like kind of just like and I and I thought well I'll give it a try. Yeah. And uh, and my friend Tommy Blatchett, who was my roommate at the time, it was like hey I'll give it a try too. So we started it together. And actually, Kate Flannery was in that first mm-hmm. class uh, with us. Uh, and this would have been like 1988, I think, 89, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then it just it just continued from there. Just yeah. I just I just followed it. And that getting in with the improv crowd, that was like. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my God! I'm home. <laughs> I'm finally home. Yeah. You know. Um, and it was it was just it was a really wonderful wonderful time that time in Chicago, and just really, just so much fucking laughter, just so much being funny and 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 being around people that were funny all the time, just really exciting, just really yeah, all, you know, just always always just going and not going because I wanted to be a star going because like it was just fun and I didn't even I also too you know we had all there were always there's always some catch as catch can venue you know basement of an Italian mm-hmm. restaurant or whatever and shit would happen that we got kicked out of the you know oh we'd show up and like oh they the door's locked mm-hmm. <laughs> They're out of business or whatever, or the, you know, or it being Chicago, the boiler broke. Uh It's, it's 30 degrees inside. We're not going to have a show. Yeah. And we, and after that, like that was some of my favorite times because it's like no show, but here we are, all the funny guys, you know, guys and girls, let's go fucking have a drink. Let's go stay out till four o'clock in the morning, making each other laugh, you know? Um, and you and and the, the, what a different experience than being a kid who was like you know born and raised in Chicago went to an arts elementary school was always doing it and never knew anything different for yeah, you to yeah. have come and known 
the absence of that. Yeah, yeah. So different. Yeah. So different. Well, I was I was really sort of like a little gosh about in that first improv class sitting next to like a kid like uh I'm I moved here from Arizona to take this class. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. You know, like I to me it was just convenient. Uh-huh. It was literally I looked in the white pages and heard about a c- class like this mm-hmm. and then a friend of mine took it and like that seemed more convenient because yeah. <laughs> she's on you know, I know she'll be there. Yeah. You know, she's a class ahead of me, but she'll be there too. Yeah. So it was uh it just then it just kind of started to you know, and like I say, I never was one to I never was one. I never thought like someday I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. I loved watching Saturday Night Live and watching comedy on television was always, you know, sort of like my version of of watching sports or something. It yeah. was like what I was interested in. Yeah. Um, but I, I never had like a concrete notion of, of, of making a living at it. And I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it because it felt good right then. And I always felt like, to be open to opportunities that that arose while I was in it, um, but there was never any kind of like great big career game plan. You yeah, know? for so, me neither. I don't still think. isn't. I know. Well, that's... <laughs> still isn't. I look. At, I mean, I uh, the one thing I do envy about people is people with just agreed. I don't amazing even amazing drive and ambition, and they just set out to like I'm gonna write a movie, and I'm gonna yeah. just you know I'm just gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat the world up. Yeah, and I just, I just think, wow, ditto. Because like, yeah, because I mean, l- when I'm left to my own devices, I don't, I don't think about ah, now I can write a screenplay. I think like I'm gonna make a pork roast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm gonna slow cook yeah. it on the grill. Yeah, it's gonna be covered in garlic. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna maybe roast some potatoes with it because that's really good. You know. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm going to tear out those flowers and put in some blackberry bushes. I totally get it. But yeah, and that's, I think, I I would imagine that you and I have that, that's the sort of, speaking of like songs that we sing over and over again, that's the one that I've become much more comfortable with recognizing and actually embracing, which is like, yeah, I didn't have that one thing that I needed to be wildly successful at and only did that maybe I would have my own production company because I start on friends for yeah, however yeah. many. And then, and now I can start dabbling and like producing other people's projects or whatever yeah. because I just had that sort of like that I'm an actor. That's what I do. You know, when you have that sort of like, well, I don't know. I like improvising and I like making stuff. I like writing. I'll do that person's thing if they yeah, want me to yeah. do that. And like yeah. you sort of, then, then there's this more sort of like amorphous nebulousness to in a business where people kind of want to go like, oh, I get it. You're this guy. Yeah. Oh, I get it. You're that gal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so that's, but, the, but I've come to a place where I'm like, I, I would rather be like um, like middling in, yeah. in a bunch of stuff that I really care about yeah, yeah. than have like just had just that like razor thing. sharp focus. Yeah. Because I'd I, probably miss all the, if I had that, I'd be envious. I'd be looking around like, oh, it looks like it'd be fun to do that or, yeah. you know, I'd like to yeah. do, you know, so. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm always torn because I do, you know, I like, I make a really I make a really good living, but there's always a chance to make more. I mean, I still, 
I still worry about like paying for my kids' college. Well, sure. And there are people that I know who don't have to worry about paying for their kids' college. And if I didn't have them to compare myself to, I probably wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. But I mean, I am. I do know some really fucking rich people, (laughs) and they are close friends of mine. And I'm like, shit, that would be really Uh nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And also, and this business is crazy at the level that I'm at, in that you are. A, a series of not too many phone calls away from a big pile of money. Right. If things line up correctly, right. you know? Right. And I mean, and starting out, that's why, you know, you get a job on a pilot on a television show and you think, hey, you know, some of these really, you know, are like never have to worry again. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, you just, it's, I always envision like a ladder and, you know, it's like each rung, you know, like they pick up the pilot. So you're on that rung and then like they ordered three episodes and there's that rung. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you're like, oh, it's, it got a good review and that's like half uh-huh. a rung, you know, and the numbers look kind of good and that's another rung. Yeah. And then, oh, the president of the network gets fired and the new president uh, cleans the, cleans house of that person's projects. Because why invest in someone else's, like, you know, it's always like. I can't like, believe that that the was a alpha male. that's actually true. Oh, it's so true. It's the alpha so male, true. the new alpha male slaughters the offspring of the previous alpha male or female, alpha yeah. female. And yep. that. So it's like, you're, oh man, I got four rungs up this ladder and at the top of it is like the goose that's laying the diamond eggs. I know. And then they come and saw the ladder off and you fall back again. (laughs) And it's like, all right. I know. It feels more like if you could just think of it as like a, it's not like, okay, it's not a ladder. It's more of like a snarl of like string. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We're like, oh, this little, this little part of the string may or may not. If you pull on that, it may like lead you to the closer to this, but it may also just totally like disintegrate. It just feels more (laughs) random. Holding onto a feather in a hurricane. (laughs) I might end up being dashed on the rocks, or I could end up, you know, on top of a castle. Uh, Feather and Hurricane, uh, uh, going to be our next hit single, (laughs) you and me and our band. Um, Really looking forward to that. All right, I'm going to do like a truncated version of this mash, because otherwise I'll never uh, let you leave, and this has been a pleasure, as Jimmy would say, a pleasure and a joy. Uh Um, So my first category for you is, uh, let's do three... um, Let's do three alternate universe kind of careers where it's none of the bad stuff. It's just that sort of idealized version. Like, sure. I bet it'd be fun to be a blank. Three. Oh, um, uh, I, uh, like a zoo worker. Great. You know, like taking care of animals. Yeah. Um, um, I have always, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it would be fun, but I, I, I uh, house painter. Okay. Like if I had to, like I did think like when I lived in Chicago and I worked in production, I did think like if I have to like, if I had to do a non-brain job, I I think I could be, I could handle house painting. I tell myself that about landscaping. Yeah, yeah. Like if it just, if I could be like in San Francisco where it's not ever really that hot and I could just like plant lantana (laughs) in people's yards and just dump decomposed granite onto their front yards, I think that'd be great. House painter, um, understood. House painter. Um, gosh. Um, and then I think uh, like a cook, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think a chef, but like a a cook, like maybe like, you know, like have a, 
have like a bar and grill kind of place. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I often think like that I could see in some sort of dilettante showbiz way, you know, getting to an age where I get tired of doing this and I just like move to Key West and open a bar and grill and, yeah. you know, work there just when I feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Okay. Next category is uh, three places in the world. Uh, if getting there weren't a hassle, that it would be fun to have a vacation home. A vacation home. Oh, three places in the world. Um, Japan, somewhere in Japan, mm-hmm. uh, I think would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greece. And um, Amsterdam. I really love the city of Amsterdam. And every time you say that, people are like, oh, because of prostitutes and marijuana. (laughs) I think we're past that. In the state we live in, we're clearly past the longing for smoking weed. Oh, if only I could smoke pot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I just really, it's a a wonderful town. Yeah, it's a wonderful town. I've spent so little time there considering that I've like, you know, spent some time in Europe and I I would really, really like to spend more time there. So I applaud your decision. Uh, Three movies that you can walk into and be in that world you're not recreating the plot of the movie you're not a character it's just sort of like oh i like i can be in this and nothing bad happens to you um the lord of the rings movies they're just i mean come on that's like it's like taking a pill Mm -hmm, you know it's mm -hmm. fantastic um it has to be a movie Uh, if you want to be like a tv show or something yeah uh, game of thrones Mm -hmm, i mean mm -hmm, game mm -hmm. of thrones is i i now you know, when those episodes are over, I'm pissed. It's like Me somebody too. stopped the IV drip of, <laughs> of whatever euphoric is it was on. Uh, and let's see what's another good one. Um... Are your kids into Harry Potter? Like, because that for me, that's sort of a third. Oh. It's, it's yeah, my daughter likes Harry Potter, but it's taste, a little, but... that's a little twee for my mm-hmm. taste. You know. Um, I would, but I would say, I would like to it to be like something like, uh, like an old New York, like the apartment or something. Oh, like, sure. Like New York in mm-hmm. the sixties, kind mm-hmm. of like that. I think would be, mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, especially about real estate. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that becomes so gross. Oh yeah, up. I would go by. I would just buy up apartments. <laughs> grim <laughs> no i just really i love like i love new york when it was kind of it was glamorous but it was still it was like kind of shitty mm-hmm. you know like before like just before they were like the city's bankrupt like in right. that kind right. of time yep. you know i see it i see it i see some real hazy smog in that yeah, new york yeah. for sure um okay next category is uh listen this is all due respect to your brilliant wife uh mm-hmm. this is a, a mash game so there's usually some sort of crush element this can right, be right. paying this can be paying back uh, a teenage you who had crushes on people um and it can also be like fictional characters from right. books or film but three alternate universe like sexy times or sort of alternate universe companion um well, I just saw They Live by Night, the mm-hmm. uh, the which is a uh, like I think it, it's Nicholas Ray's uh, maybe his directorial debut. Mm. And the the female lead in that um her name was Kathy O'Donnell. Mm. And I and I was uh she has a very kind of Natasha Leone mm-hmm. kind of quality to her. Mm-hmm. And I just was and I was like uh 
and she she's like from Alabama or somewhere, and she just had like sort of that country naif kind of mm-hmm. feeling. Um, so I would say her great. Um, uh, it's all it's all old great ones. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ronald Reagan's first wife. Oh, Jane. God, I may not have even known that he had a first wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jane Wyman, is that her mm-hmm, name? Mm-hmm, Jane, mm-hmm. and she, because she was in, mm-hmm. she was in, I think, Johnny Belinda, she, where she plays like a mute girl. Um, and Barbara Stanwyck. Great. I love Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck, and she's, you know, she's as gay as they come, uh-huh. but uh, just Barbara Stanwyck is just, Fucking awesome. I need to revisit some Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, next category. Three foods that in this alternate universe are not uh, bad for you any longer and you can have in perpetuity. It can be as specific as this deep dish pizza that I oh, can never oh. have or it could just be ice cream. Three. Um, I, it, This is so easy. Pizza, fried chicken, and ice cream. Great. Okay. Uh, if you're doing yeah. a last meal one, that's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. No last meals. Yeah, I yeah. don't believe that you're going to be imprisoned and put no, to death. That's just think, not, uh, that's yeah. just, I don't think that's going to happen I always feel you. like that's, that, the last meal's got to be unsatisfying too. The quality can't be that good. I agree. And I always go to the place of like, you, or someone just asked me this on a podcast and, or just in an interview. And I, I, I said like, you're asking the person who will overanalyze that and go, well, I don't think I'd be hungry. I mean, we're talking about my imminent death. Yeah, like yeah. immediately, I like it was just so right. dumb. I mean, I do this game, which is as preposterous as that. But they would, they you, they probably would save a lot of money too if they would if they asked the inmates like, "What do you want to shit your pants with?" Because <laughs> like, then they'd be like, "You know what? I think I'm good." When you put it I like that, I know I said corn on the cob. Yeah. I'm I'm actually rethinking that. I'm doubling back on that now. Uh, uh, Booyah base. <laughs> Which that's the other thing too, you know. When you read, when you've ever read, like they they have articles about you know yeah. contents, and it's always things like dominoes. You yeah. know, and, oh. I know it's it's depressing. It's yeah, just it's really... is, it just ratchets up the depression. Yeah. It's, it's kind of surprising that criminal or that capital punishment would be depressing. Yeah, that any aspect of it, it's such a lighthearted. It really topic. is. Well, we know it works. <laughs> oh, we know really, the system it's works. <laughs> it's great. It's put an end to everything, uh-huh. to all that murdering. <laughs> okay, uh, this is actually one that I've never done before, but it just reminded me of that uh, when we were with what we were just talking about, which is three real or fictitious villains that superhero Andy like vanquishes. Oh, vanquishes! I would to me, it would be more like have respect for. Oh, uh, the villains. Can I do that instead? Yes, absolutely. Okay, first of all, the greatest superhero ever invented in my estimation is Lisbeth Salander. Okay. From oh, the God. girl with yeah. the dragon Great tattoo. Character. Because like she's a superhero, but in but she can't but it's not like I can fly or see through walls bullshit. Yeah. She but she can like bring down an oligarch yeah. with her fucking laptop. Yeah. Like uh, it's Fucking awesome. Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, Hannibal Lecter is one of the best fucking creations that fiction has ever given us. 100% agree. Um, and Tony Soprano. Great. I, so oh, that's no, like this is good. villains this is I admire. Back to the whole yeah, psychopath yeah. thing. Like, yeah, what yeah. can you get from these guys? I love yeah. that. 
Side note, I will quickly say the only problem I had with Lisbeth Salander is she is one of those male-created female characters who, quote-unquote, eats so much and is so tiny, you oh. don't understand where that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a woman's, well, and also like a too, woman's like, tip. She's, hmm. uh, yeah, she's, she's uh, you know, there again, she's like, She's gay until yeah, like the, right the nerdy along. writer, the obsessive <laughs> writer comes along and then she just can't get enough. That's a good point. Yeah, dude. yeah. Um, okay, three. No, we talked about the whole. Yeah, I was just day. on oh, Twitter yeah. talking about this too. Yeah. How they ruined. I was taught because I was I watched that uh, Unabomber show mm-hmm. and I just, and it's like I was really frustrated because they're trying so hard to make it into like making Ted Gazinski into like Hannibal Lecter like right. he can and the profiler his life becomes ruined because he's like <laughs> he identifies with Kaczynski and like who's really crazy right but um, I w- it made me think about Clarice Starling versus Will Graham mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the profilers mm-hmm. and it made me think like if that is not like about and I mean that whole series. The Thomas Harris did amazing. They're fantastic. They are fantastic books. Um, but like Clarice Starling, Will Graham has to become Hannibal Lecter and become haunted by you know by this like maybe I'm evil or whatever. Clarice Starling, she doesn't fucking get haunted by him. Yeah. She's like, no, that that fucker is evil. And yeah, I have to be careful because yeah. he's because he's dangerous and he can get into my mind. But I'm not gonna fucking waste my time yeah. identifying with them like the like a man would. Yeah. And then and it really is the last one where she hooks up with Lecter and they and it becomes a sexual relationship. Absolute garbage. Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. And I understand for a paycheck. Exactly. Like, let's like, have this them is hook what up. everybody it's a yeah, real Sam and Diane, will this, they or won't they? If this is what you want, right, fine. Right, they right. fuck once or twice, right. you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that just, I, it just I, takes away from I never, I hadn't really like thought about it so much, yeah. but I just yesterday or the day before I was like, yeah, that's fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter and Clarice and Darling should never have had I sex. I couldn't agree more. This no. I couldn't agree yeah. more. Uh, oh, sweet Clarice Darling. God, that movie, um, was just a movie in high school where I just went and saw it by myself over and over oh yeah like oh yeah that's a thing oh, i would never do that so now i would never good. take it's myself so to the same movie over it's and so over good. but it just blew me away had a huge poster i'm glad that my dad was not more worried about me um <laughs> uh, okay uh, and then last category i'll do is uh let's do three three talents three sort of regular talents like musical you know aptitude if there's an instrument you always wanted to play or sure. uh, speaking languages or being great on computers like Elizabeth uh, three talents that you could wake up with tomorrow and kind of have downloaded Matrix style sure uh, like uh, New Orleans piano great you know like the way like Professor Longhair or you know or Harry Connick Jr. Mm-hmm. you know like uh, the way or James Booker the like just that yeah. good kind of agreed. boogie woogie-ish New Orleans piano agreed would be awesome Kind of the same energy um, as great improv. Just yeah. That, and there is so much well, improv and, to it. There's yeah. a joy to that that's like extemporaneous in the moment joy. That's there's kind of a there's a there's a documentary on James Booker who was like one of the greatest, but he was a complete absolute mess, you know, like of a person like like almost like just a a, a musical genius who was you know, intermittently homeless and, you know, mm-hmm. lived like a street person mm-hmm. and then would go tour Europe and sell out Crazy. and then come back and kind of live like That's a street person. That's when you person. know, like, oh, that person's brain is yeah, just not yeah, the, they're just, living in the same world we are. Yes. But, uh, but there's in that, there's a little clip 
of Harry Connick Jr. displaying like what made James Booker so amazing. Like yeah. he actually shows you like uh-huh. he like and there's all these little fills of whatever, you know, the saints go marching in and yeah. there's, the, there's the melody. And then like, and then he plays it with all these like tiny Ugh, little fills that you yeah. can't even like, when you look at the hand, you can't even How see that all the extra the, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, and that's true. It's like all the little, like we're just something that's so full of, yeah. of ideas, um, in just a small little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one, another talent that I would want to have, um, gosh, do you like, it could be, I mean, listen, I don't know. You might be the best cook of, of the cook. You no, could I, be, I mean, I, no, I don't, I, that's okay. Uh, but, uh, I guess I'd like to, it would be fun to draw, mm-hmm. to be able to draw better. Um, and uh, uh and I did, did, uh I mean another common one is definitely like I wish that I could sort of just look at my computer and not ever have to take it to anyone if something happens to just be able to go like yeah you know what I, oh, I got yeah, this like that and, kind of and that's thing. So technologically yeah would that would that would be really nice wouldn't it um Can you edit out me the the thinking part? Yeah, but listen, it could be that people are getting important chores done right now. It could be that they're like, (laughs) I'm going to file my taxes in this space, or just put in the musical. I can't. The musical clock. Uh (laughs) Um, I appreciate how seriously you're taking this. Yeah, I guess maybe um, eh, fly a helicopter. Okay, great, great. I think that'd be great. Sure, flying a helicopter. Uh, I, I find that idea of being in control of something that leaves the ground terrifying. So yeah, I would yeah. like to, even just what that would mean about my personality to uh-huh. be comfortable doing that would be like an extra bonus. Yeah. Okay. I just do this little quick thing that tells me how to eeny, meeny, miny, mo through this to give you your results. Okay. Um, so this just, oh, there's drawing. results. I didn't even oh, realize there were results. With this future, this mash wow. future, you'll okay. have something from all of these lists. Okay. So just very quickly, like in a couple seconds span, just tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay, great. I'm going to pause this. This will take mere moments. Uh, to the listener, it will seem as if no time has passed. And uh, I will deliver your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I have your results. <sighs> <laughs> I have to stop saying it like it's a prognosis. Right. Uh, like but you, if it is like a prognosis. You pouring colored liquids into beakers. <laughs> Ah. I've got what I consider to be an explosive dry ice type future for you. <laughs> a real witch's brew. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your ability to fly a helicopter. Wow. Just shooting all over everywhere. Oh, that's fantastic. You can land that thing. You don't even, I mean, listen, what's that? Four or five square feet you need to land a helicopter? Right. I'm, not, the, I'm, not, the, I'm not sure. The perfect way to do it is like to steal a helicopter, to be walking through somewhere and be like, <laughs> Hey, look, a helicopter. Why don't we take it? You can fly. Yes, I can oh, fly. Yes. Whee, here we go. Surprise people yeah. with it. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, approve more. Um, you may actually fly your own helicopter to uh, your beautiful house in Amsterdam. <gasps> That's a long trip. <laughs> 
It really is. Wow. Good luck. Okay. Uh, you, uh, I don't know if you painted your beautiful house in Amsterdam yourself, but uh, I can uh, assure you that you do have a house painting degree. Wow. And in fact, in this alternate How, universe. I can afford Amsterdam house and a helicopter you license with my... I <laughs> with my job as a house painter listen it's either your connection and your uh sort of having been mentored by tony soprano <gasps> could be that's where you get your money oh my god this is really starting to make sense I you're like i'm a house painter i think i just have I think a you're i have a house, house painting painter, business that's a front for yeah. a meth dealing yeah uh, which, by the way, also enables you to unlimited supply of totally healthy for you, powers you through the day like vitamins, fried chicken. Then <gasps> no, no, that's that's fine with me. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, that's great. And then, it, and listen, it could also be that you're living off this woman's money too. I don't know. Um, but I will say that when you uh, pull your greasy lips away from the, from the fried chicken right? to come in for a kiss. It's with none other than Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she's not repulsed? <laughs> she loves it. This is a she fantasy. She loves it. Uh, so that is your MASH future. Um, this has been uh, such a delight. And, uh, Thank you. Such a great it excuse has been to fun. see you and hang out with you. Uh, I do need you to sing a tidbit of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. All right. Uh, and if there's anything else you want to tell folks about, uh, this is also the time to do that. Oh, like to plug things? Yeah, if you have anything you want yeah, to plug. Yeah, you know, um, Conan Show. Yeah. Eh, you know, it's just, if you're, I mean, if you're not watching it already, you won't. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know the point. I uh, have a bunch of, I did the, like, whatever the pre-show was at Comic-Con uh -huh. uh, with those nice, funny young men. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I so was... I have all those, like, zombie collector figures. And they, when they gave them to, the woman who gave them to, the, I guess, the talent booker, she was like, she really made me feel like I, my life was in danger. She was like, you need to hold on to these. They are in very high demand right now. Uh, I mean, listen, if somebody could steal this from me, it's worth, like, $500. So... So I walked away feeling like, oh, I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I guess I'm an old, I guess I'm I should an get old, a safety deposit box. I'm an old crab and those are cute little plastic dolls, yeah. but they're plastic <laughs> dolls. They're plastic dolls. People. Oh, it's so funny. Um, yeah, no, I don't. It's, I, it's, that's one of those things where I'm like, okay, there's a thousand, like uh, we do the Comic-Con shows and there's like a couple thousand people every night going fucking bananas. For a plastic doll. Oh, no. It's just a thing that I didn't and you didn't ha also have the access. Like when I had the enthusiasm for stuff like that, if I if I had had it, yeah. I, I don't think I ever would have. But if I, I just that's not even something I. Right, can, but the widespread but, collecting. I guess like there were ladies that collected. Well, it, I guess it's no more. I mean, I know you have a huge Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> That's true. It's renowned. I mean, it's, and, and beer cans. Like, uh -huh. remember people, like, yeah. that was when I was For a kid, there were people plates. that really had yeah. collections of beer cans. <laughs> yeah. And there was books of values of beer cans. Everything can have a value. They were very expensive. Everything can have that and kind now, of value. Uh, they're just nonsense. Yeah. I will um, say, uh, I will say this. Um, I, in terms of like things that sort of light a light bulb in you, uh, I was a freshman in college when Conan started oh, and, okay. uh, and that, that was, I was in, in a tiny school at no in Northern Arizona. Uh -huh. I was an undeclared major because I'd already decided that theater was a waste of time right, and that I would right. never make a living doing it. Yeah. And, 
and the I first and also I never watched late night television. Like I had no interest. I mean SNL, I guess, yeah, right. but no interest in that. And somehow, like I picked up an interest. Like I don't know how I even knew, but when I but finding out that a Simpsons like a like a Simpsons, a Simpsons youngster writer. had yeah, a show. Yeah. For some reason, it just like that felt important to me, and I remember watching the first show, yeah. and I was like, "Huh, I like those guys. Like, I this feels like God. This is so, like I got had that fluttery feeling yeah, of like yeah. this is I feel understood, uh, and I oh, think that was great. true for so many people. Like, that's oh, great. that's the kind of playfulness I like to have yeah, in my yeah. real relationships." And I think there was a part of me that was like, may, like sort of what you experienced, like maybe this isn't cool. like, huh? No, that's yeah. and then the, I proceeded to not pursue it at all. Right. But, well, but it's a, but it's, but it, it was is in there. It's a, it is something that's been a, that is a profoundly rewarding aspect of what I have done with my life up to this point is that I was on the show and am part of the team that represent something to a group of people that David Letterman represented to me that, that as the exact same thing, kid in a small town, seeing something that, that, and it was like that a lot of people were like, that's fucking stupid. Jesus. That's what I hate that. And, and feeling like, Oh, you don't get it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What you're seeing right there. Yeah. And being able to, being able to be that for young people is really, uh, it, it's pretty great. It's a pretty great thing. And my takeaway so. is that you just called me a young person, so I feel really <laughs> great about that. Yes, you are. Uh, you uh, are. I'm, I'm, I'm an old person. <laughs> uh, Not true. Yes. Uh, on either side. Um, okay, Boys of Summer, hit me with it. Whatever All you right. can think uh, of off the top of your head. Uh, on the road today, I saw the deadhead sticker in a Cadillac. A little voice inside my head. You can never go back. You can never go back. That's great. He's not the one that's dead, right? <laughs> that's Glenn no, Fry, he's right? Okay. Yeah, Don yeah. Henley's alive. I saw him. My uh, my family, my my wife and daughter and I once had dinner at the fancy restaurant at um, uh, uh, Disney's Grand California oh, at yeah. Disneyland. Yeah, and he was at the next table. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Wait, Don and Henley I, or Gun? Don me? Henley. Don okay, Henley. Yeah, yeah. And I think I even took like a surreptitious picture mm-hmm. just to show that he was sitting next to us. And I had the feeling that it was a dinner with the kids and his ex-wife. Oh. Like it was like a, a slice of life I over could be there. totally wrong, yeah. but that's the vibe that I got from completely ignoring my family <laughs> and just eavesdropping on their stuff. I love the the total picture that immediately paints for me, which is him being like, "Look, I know I've been a shit dad. Yeah, I've yeah. got access to this right, restaurant right, at right, a moment's right, notice, exactly. so let yeah, me yeah. throw pretty things right. at you." Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, it's fun. Oh. I can I can spare six or seven uh-huh. hours. <laughs> Listen, it takes a while to get into that restaurant when you have to walk. You know, there's trams involved. I don't know. Uh, what a good dad. Um, Andy, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Jan. And uh, guys, I'll talk to you next time on the phone. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.